The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus was teaching, and he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Let us pray. Our abundant God, giver of all things good, we ask this week that we might be mindful of our blessings. We give thanks that we have this congregation to come to for support and inspiration and training up in the way that we should go as your followers. And we ask that you would continue by your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us more and more into the way that you would have us walk in this world so that we may truly be a united family, uh, sharing and loving one another wherever we go and doing it all to the glory of your name, in which we now pray. Amen. You know, he stands out. There's a new dog walker in the park that butts up to my property. And he's got red hair, and he's got a red beard, and he's about 20-something, and he's got a rescue dog that he holds out here when we pass by so he doesn't get in our way. But what's striking about this guy is his uh, forbearance. He says, good morning to us like that. How are you doing this day? And I'm like, not typical greeting for a young man like that. And uh, so as an older person looking at him, I began each, each day that I see him, it's the same. He's got something new to say. He never misses eye contact. And I said, his parents must have brought him up very well. They would be so proud to see how he conducts himself out here on the walking trail with a bunch of strangers. Well, I think that's what was at the heart of some of the parents' worries also last weekend when we were packing up to go on the catechism retreat. We have 7th, 8th, and ninth graders that go off for two days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we come back. And it is for some of them maybe one of their first times to go away kind of on a, a church trip with others. So moms and dads, I'm sure, were wondering about their family name being kind of upheld here as the children went out the door, saying probably to them now, just remember, when you're out there, 
to be uh, respectful of the, of the people that are there and to share and don't get into arguments or fights and say thank you at the dinner table and um, just do whatever they say and don't cause trouble. You know, those are, you bear well on the, the Jones family name or so that they don't remember all time that this family had a kid that was so out of sorts and made us all crazy. And so I think parents are concerned when their children go away that they reflect good, goodwill on the family name. And so today, I think Jesus also is giving some concern about his uh, children, all of his followers, reflecting well on his family name. You know, there are uh, so many of us that have various styles of personality, ways we conduct ourselves, and yet we are a ragtag group of disciples that are meant to do the best to uphold the family tradition of Jesus Christ in this world. We call ourselves after him, Christian, and we have a lot to do to make this world shine in his name. The scriptures that we have for today, for instance, have amazing passages about radical obedience to the mission that Christ gives. The early believers, remember, in the second chapter of Acts, had the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost come upon them as Jesus had left them and ascended. The Holy Spirit came. They all spoke in tongues. They were all inspired. It was a great festival in Jerusalem. And now only two chapters later, in the fourth chapter of Acts, we have this snapshot of an awesome example of living in trust as God's people. We see here um, a group that is preaching with boldness in the community, but the scripture says the whole group was of one heart and soul. And no one claimed private property uh, or ownership of their possessions, but they owned everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. And as many as ha who had lands bought and sold them and laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet. Even Barnabas, a Jewish convert, sold his field and brought the proceeds as offering to the church's outreach. Now that's commitment. And this text is an Id idyllic text that's often used on stewardship Sundays because it shows <clears throat> the trust that is indwelling in the hearts of those who truly embrace the power of Christ in their lives, literally. But 2,000 years later, I'm not sure that we can all go about selling all of our properties and laying all of our proceeds here at Upper Dublin's altar, although we would accept it if you felt the need. Um, but it is uh, really the spirit of this scripture passage that there was such confidence and trust and fiery power in the Holy Spirit moving them that they were uh, called to do God's work and to pursue God's dream for all his children in the community and their world. What dream? Well, God's dream that all might be one family, that <clears throat> we would all work together with our different talents and personalities and such, our different faith and uh, interpretations we have of the faith stories that he told, but that we would really carry on Christ's family name with great um, 
pride in this world, that we would not shrink back or be found wanting, but that we would be the bearers of hope and faith and confidence in this world, that we can do it. We can make this world of ours uh, manage resources in an equitable way. We can stop the extinction of valuable creatures in our world and, and all around the globe who are suffering right now. We have gifts that can be shared uh, and bring some equality an equal distribution of wealth to all tribes and all races in this broken, tattered, fearful, fighting, war-torn world of ours. We are the hope to bring the dream to fulfillment. And we bear the name, the family tradition of Jesus Christ. In the villages of Sierra Leone, in the reservations of South Dakota, we are the ones in baptism that have been given the calling, the power, and the homework assignment. Yesterday, many of you, um, and throughout the three services, were participants in the food, food packaging um, activity we had upstairs in Fellowship Hall. We've done this every year, and yesterday, I understand, we put together 36,000 meals for the area. There were 100 volunteers with those wonderful hairnets, I'm sure, that make us really, really look like one family. And every, nobody has any dignity left. That's what I like about it, you know. Um, but we become um, one unit preparing meals for all those around us who are uh, in food scarcity in uh, times of life. And so there you were working alongside partners. Maybe they were from the Rotary. They were different faiths and denominations. But it was a picture of the early Christians in this Acts 4 formula. We pray each Sunday, give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. And in confirmation, we're studying the Lord's Prayer, so we're pretty immersed in all these meanings and what it says. But let's recall for this daily bread the Old Testament story from Exodus, which is also familiar. The Israelites were wandering out in the wilderness, trusting God to provide, when he said to them, I will provide you with manna every day. Manna, a flaky substance like frost on the grass uh, that turns into something like um, um, oatmeal, I suppose. It's, it's frost that can be gathered every morning. And God told them, please trust and only take enough uh, omers for your family unit. If you have five people, six people, 12 people in your family, just take that measurement and nothing more. It was their daily bread. And they were not to keep it until the end of the day. Once they had eaten the meal, they were not to hoard it. But naturally, as time goes on, they doubted the Lord's faithfulness. And despite God's forbidding, they tried to sneak a little of that manna into the back storage room. And sure enough, as God predicted, it rotted and got full of awful worms. It was God who was empowering those chosen people to save the world. And they needed to really walk the walk and talk the talk, he asked of them, if they're going to make a difference. It required trust, abundant measures of trust, and trust that their needs would be met as they journeyed. They needed to learn obedience to what he has commanded and not take more than their share of food or water. And they had to trust that the Holy Spirit would empower them to restore the balance in their community any time they asked it. Well, of course, as you know in the story, some began to 
to go beyond keeping what they were, were supposed to. God had said, on the day before Sabbath, gather twice your daily rations, because on the Sabbath no one will work, and there will be no manna. So on the day before, gather twice as much, and use it for your daily needs, and then go back onto the formula. Uh, so it is indeed something God had thought through, and indeed there would have been enough daily bread if the community had only responded as the, he had hoped, which eventually they did. So my friends, this formula that was given for manna and daily bread has something to do with balancing the distribution of wealth in our world, as you know. In 2016, we have a well-documented election process, and it continues to this day. Many of you are already planning not to talk about anything to do with politics at your Thanksgiving dinner tables. I've heard it from countless families already. Don't go into that dangerous territory. There's much sorrow, much anger, much fear, much blame, palpable still in our communities each day. And here's a suggestion. For those believers who have gone before us in trying times, let's all as a nation rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, change our hearts, and make us more welcoming to each other at different viewpoints. We can pray, we can sing our offering song, which we had at 9 o'clock, called Have Love. And the words are this, Lord, before there was peace and war, you made the planets spin, you let life begin. Now that all may have enough, we lift our hearts above and pray, God, let the world have love. Oh, God, let the world have love. I'm going to take a little uh, detour here because at 9 o'clock in sharing time, one of our members got up and said, I just want to share this vision I had yesterday as I went to the, I don't know, some bird refuge. I didn't catch where it was. But she said the eagles were there. Beautiful eagles were flying up in the sky, and it was majestic, and there were crowds of people all in the park watching them. She said there was a Muslim and a Mexican and Arab and black and all different races and creeds, and they were all happy watching the beauty of the eagles soaring. And then some had food. One lady had a food tray. She was passing it around to everybody there. I said, oh, it sounds like the Axe community. It sounds like a glimpse of heaven. And it's possible, and it's happening right here in Philadelphia. So let us continue to work towards that goal wherever we are. As we know, we are entering the national holiday of Thanksgiving weekend. I think it's always so interesting that we go in to give thanks on Thursday in our lives to say God provides so richly for us. And some almost leave the Thanksgiving table to run to go Black Friday shopping to see that we don't have enough. We've got to go get more, got to get a deal, got to buy more. It's always that time of year that's so interesting how we can barely get through the thankfulness to finding that we need more acquisition. So maybe one way we can curb that is to continue more and more and more to give thanks for what we have. It's spiritually therapeutic. When you're having a bad day, just stop and 
look at the eagles or look out your window or just think of five or six things you're really thankful for that you already have. Hopefully many times it is a relationship or a project or something that you value in your home or whatever it is. Just stop and say thanks for any number of things and you'll find all of a sudden there's not that need suddenly to run out and add more to your life from the shopping center. I found a saying on, on uh, YouTube that I like. I put it as my screensaver to remind myself, and it's this. It's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. It's thankful people who are happy. And how many times when we've gone to ASP down in the, in the Ozarks have we found the families we are serving are happy. They haven't got a fraction of the security we do or even the medical uh, insurance, uh, the home, the uh, potential for travel, but they're happy. And they teach us so much as we work alongside of them. Thankful people are the ones who are happy. So with that in mind, I just want to say there is a tradition in my family system that years ago we used to do. Uh, we aren't all together anymore, so it's, I'm passing it on to you. We would set the table, but also at each place, whether there were three, four, six, ten people, we'd put oh, two or three little candy corns, those really, really sweet candy corns that may make your teeth hurt because they're so sweet. They're orange and yellow, you know. Put a few candy corns, symbolic of the pilgrims and their you know, trip to America giving thanks, their first Thanksgiving. But ask the people in your table to think for a while about what they are truly thankful for this year. What event, what person, what episode, what they've learned, anything like that. And then take the time, maybe before you start digging into the meal and the dressing, to go around and reflect on what are they thankful for. Everyone, even the smallest child, gets an opportunity to share. I think it will really add special flavor and spice to your feasting. And in keeping with my own advice, I want to end by uh, sharing with you all one of my reasons, my candy corn reason for thankfulness this day. And I think Pastor Anderson would share it with me. Um, I give thanks to God from the bottom of my heart for the privilege it is to serve you all in this congregation as your pastors. It is an extraordinary place to work. It is a warm and so generous, so creative, creative and committed group of people who love serving God and grow in faith and in giving all the time. It is rare and wonderful nowadays to find a congregation as healthy and thriving as we are. I hope that there will be many, many more that rise again in our global village. But you reach out, you steward your riches in so many directions. You step up to the plate and you take a swing at trying something new just for the sake of your neighbor and you are more and more faithful every day. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to share ministry together with you all. Amen.